When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is the real TJ. Oh, hey. Oh, man. I miss someone who could talk into a mic normally. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, we did the, you mean? we did the episode with my brother, and I realized something was that as a broadcaster, he's used to having a condenser mic, and we use dynamic microphones. Right. And so he can move around and it'll still pick up his voice. So uh, when we were recording, he'd be like, let me just tell you something about Pat. He was really like kind of a cool dude. And he'd like, <laughs> and he'd just kind of float away. But uh, we had a fun time recording that. And I did miss you, but we had a good time recording it. You know, but it's always fun for family. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Now, right at the top of the show, not to be a total downer, but it is really important to Southern California was... We're getting in reports right now as we record this that Kobe Bryant, 41, of the Los Angeles Lakers and his daughter were killed in a helicopter crash. And so we're just we're still getting all the information. And so I'm not going to say anything more than that than what's actually on the news right now. But our thoughts and our prayers go out to the the nine people that were in the helicopter and they will be really missed. And so from the family here at Rock and Roll Heaven, even though he wasn't a musical personality, he was still someone who was very important in Southern California. And he, he is going to be missed. And he leaves behind an amazing legacy of not only you know championships, but he's also an Oscar-winning uh, filmmaker. And he was a parent. And his wife, Vanessa, was gorgeous. And that doesn't that's inconsequential, but... I was yeah. going to say, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, yeah, but but you know, to to from from our family to his, we he will be missed, and we are in you are in our thoughts and our prayers. So that way to bring me down, right? <laughs> Sorry, you are going to say, dang girl. Well, it's like all I've been watching for the last five hours. So, and that was crazy because the report just came out that it, like they've been reporting like five people, five people, and now it's nine because they got the manifest. So right. That's still a developing story. So what are we going to be talking about today, TJ? So I would say in happier news, but I mean, this is us. So <laughs> <laughs> we don't really deal in happy at the, on this podcast. Sorry. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer sometimes. So we're going to talk about Dolores O'Riordan today. 
she had one of the coolest voices of the 90s. Oh, yeah. Well, I would argue beyond that as well. Uh, If you don't know who I'm talking about, you would know her from being the lead singer of the Cranberries in the 90s and early 2000s. And then actually recently she's and I'll get to that, but they're actually uh, nominated for some Grammys tonight. So excellent. Are you going to watch the Grammys tonight? I intend to, but I usually intend to and then don't get to. So we will shall see where I land on food prep by the time they come on. <laughs> I will probably have them on, but my mother texted me the other day and asked me what a Lizzo was and I didn't have an answer for. <gasps> Lizzo's great. I listen to podcasts and old classic rock. Clearly. I'm so out of the loop when it comes to like new music. Lizzo is rad. Lizzo, Billie Eilish is up for a bunch. You go, girl. I have a feeling she's going to sweep the night. She came in like a hurricane last year and uh, has been very popular. So let's get into this. I am going to sit back and just let you rock on this. So (laughs) time is of the essence. So, yeah. So, like I said, she was the lead singer of the Cranberries. If you are not familiar already, she was an Irish singer, songwriter, and musician. Dolores was born September 6th, 1971 in Ballybricken County, Limerick. Virgo. Yeah. Oh, Virgo? Yeah. Fair enough. The youngest of nine children, two of whom died in infancy. So, sad. Her father, Terrence Patrick, or Terry O'Reardon, worked as a farm laborer until a motorbike accident. Good Lord, could that be a more Irish name? Right. (laughs) Don't, 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 don't at me. I'm literally 50% Irish like if you saw me I am Irish I love Irish I love Ireland it was so wonderful there I love you Ireland (laughs) so Terry worked as a farm laborer until a motorbike accident in 1968 left him brain damaged sad face her mother Eileen nay Greensmith was a school caterer fun fact I don't have that many so I'm starting early O'Riordan was raised in a devout Roman Catholic family and was named by her mother in reference to the Lady of the Seven Dolores. That's really interesting. Yeah. What are the Seven Dolores? I found this. Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Dolores, the Sorrowful Mother or Mother of Sorrows, and Our Lady of Piety. Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows or Our Lady of the Seven Dolores are names by which the Virgin Mary is referred to in relation to sorrows in her life. That's what it is. Excellent. I mean, like, that's actually kind of a fitting name between what happened to the two prior children. Yeah. Like, I love meaningful names. Five years old at school in Limerick, the headmistress took her out of the class and up into the sixth grade class where the 12-year-old girls were. Then she sat O'Riordan on the teacher's desk and told her to sing for them. So quite the little musician, even as a very small child. Or a wee lass. When she was seven years old, her sister accidentally burned down the house. She moved with her family at the age of seven to a busy neighborhood surrounded by many people while her mother worked all the time to feed the big family and pay the bills. At that time, Dolores O'Riordan was sexually abused by a family friend during the four years between ages eight and 12. So rough life already for little Miss O'Riordan. 
O'Riordan grew up in the neighboring archdiocese of Cashel and Emily and attended Laurel Hill Colaced FCJ School in Limerick. School principal Aidan Nierachin said in the Limerick Post about O'Riordan's first day at Laurel Hill by age 12 that she stood up in front of classmates and announced, My name is Dolores O'Riordan and I'm going to be a rock star. Then she stood up on her chair and she belted out, Tra-la-la-la-la triangles, which I'm guessing is a traditional Irish song. I'm not familiar with that particular one, although I do enjoy traditional Irish Irish music. It's quite lovely. I love river dance. You would. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) According to her school pal, Katharina Egan, she's described as boisterous, wild, but lovely. She sat every day at the piano in the main hall to play there. Then her classmates sat around after having lunch to listen to her sing. During her six years of schooling at Laurel Hill, O'Riordan won the Slogad Song Contest for the school almost every year. She won a total of 20 Slogad medals. It was her first gained recognition. And I know it's Gaelic and I probably butchered it and I'm sorry. So in case it's not clear enough yet, she is a little musical person. She's all about that. All about that music, man. She started off with traditional Irish music and started playing the Irish tin whistle when she went to school. Then she played around with the spoons, which, yeah, I always think it's really interesting when somebody can actually play spoons. Anyways, but she also then learned the bodran. That's the drum, right? Yeah, that's the traditional Irish frame drum that they play with, like, the the mallet. Yeah. Then she started playing the piano around age 12. She took piano lessons and went to grade four in practical and grade eight in theory. Her formative experiences were as a soloist in the choir in local church and as a singer at school. She spent eight years with classical piano and played harmonium in her church for 10 years. O'Riordan wrote her first song called Calling at the age of 12 years old. O'Riordan's deeply religious mother had a strong influence on her. She was influenced by Gregorian chant at an early age, which remained her main influence until the end of her life. Fun fact, months before she died, O'Riordan tested the resonance and the acoustics of the Glenstall Abbey Church in Ireland to sing there. Like, I'll watch videos. Like I'll, I'll go to YouTube and, like, find videos of people singing in church because the, the way that it resonates, the human voice resonates within the cathedral is so beautiful. Oh, it really is. I love, love it. When you have, like, a place that is opened and has great acoustics... It just, the the sound just goes through your body. I love that. In her teenage years, Dolores O'Riordan spent much of her time with her brothers who listened to heavy metal music while while she herself was still equally passionate about rock and Gaelic folk music as well. If you couldn't hear it in her music, that's kind of a big part of why she was, had that, that really unique style to her and her voice and and the music itself blended those two things really nicely. Then she immersed herself in Ireland's music scene. O'Riordan has said that from childhood she was influenced by The Smiths, The Cure, R.E.M., The Kinks, Depeche Mode, Magazine, Susie and the Banshees. Oh, yeah. And New Order. <laughs> she credits Johnny McAvoy's song, The Old Bog Road, as one of the most beautiful old Irish songs and praised the Pogues, which is a band. Irish band. She described having a very strict childhood and didn't get out much right up until she was 17. O'Riordan's childhood consisted of going to piano lessons, going to church. Then she had to do her homework and go to bed. She later admitted in an interview in 1995 that she had neglected her lessons in favor of writing music and songs. Although at school, she did become head girl. By her teens, 
O'Riordan divided the rest of her time between assisting her mother, learning the accordion from her father, and part-time employment at clothing shops. In 1988, at age 17, she learned to play the guitar and performed a solo gig in Laurel Hill Secondary School. That same year, she met her first boyfriend, Mike O'Mahony. Her mother, who she adored, encouraged her to consider becoming a nun or get a college degree and become a music teacher. Instead, she ran away from home at 18 and lived a couple of years with her boyfriend. In an interview with Fox Magazine in 1994, O'Riordan clarified the situation she was in at the time after leaving the house and stated, At 18, I left home because I wanted to sing. My parents wanted me to go to college and things like that. I was really poor for a year and a half. I remember actually being hungry like I'd die for a bag of chips. That's when I joined the Cranberries. O'Riordan was still at Laurel Hill when she first joined the band. At that time, she had her sights set on the musical life and her desire to, quote, be in a band with no barriers where I could write my own songs, she told The Guardian in 1995. Academics didn't hold much interest for her, although her grades in school were good. O'Riordan left school without any qualifications. In 1989, brothers Mike and Noel Hogan, bass and guitar respectively, formed the Cranberry Sauce with drummer Fergal Lawler and singer Niall Quinn in Limerick. Less than a year later, Quinn left the band. He then told the remaining members that his girlfriend knew a girl who was looking for a band playing original material. On a Sunday afternoon, O'Riordan and Quinn went to the band's rehearsal room. She sang a couple of songs that she had written herself, and she also did a Sinead O'Connor song titled Troy. The band was impressed and gave her a cassette with instrumentals, asking her if she could work on it. When she returned a week later with a rough version of Linger, she was hired. She finished Sunday shortly after... And they recorded Nothing Left at All, a three-track EP released on tape by local record label Zurich Records, which sold 300 copies. More than the uh, more album than, I've ever released. Yeah, more than, well, more than my singles sold. <laughs> Womp. From, from literally the only other person in this room that's actually put out a record. That actually put out something to purchase. <laughs> See, when I say it, it's funny because I've never done that. I've also, you know... <laughs> Never designed an Oscar-worthy dress, and but I've never tried to, so... So there you go. <laughs> when I say it, it's just sad. <laughs> That's why I took up the mantle. I will shamelessly plug that someone should go buy my singles. Then you should say the names of the singles. Go look for Tracy Jane, The Heart of Me, and Women at Work. Yeah. Women at Work is an amazing song, and that's not just because you're my pod sis. It's actually a great song. It's super fun. Yeah, and that's Tracy with an I. And Jane with an I. J-A-I-N-E. Go look them up. The group then changed their name to the Cranberries. So not the Cranberry Sauce, but just the Cranberries. And the owner of Xerix Studios, Pierce Gilmore, became their manager and provided the group with studio time to complete another demo tape, which he produced. It featured early versions of Linger and Dreams, which were sent to record companies throughout the UK. This demo earned the attention of both the UK press and record industry and sparked a bidding war between major British record labels. Eventually, the group signed with Island Records. As part of the Cranberries, O'Riordan contributed to the release of five albums during this period. Everybody else is doing it, so why can't we in 93? No Need to Argue in 94. To the Faithful Departed in 96. Bury the Hatchet in 99. And Wake Up and Smell the Coffee 2001. And a Greatest Hits compilation stars the best of 1992 to 2002. O'Riordan has been recognized as a style icon. Here you go, LD. I remembered you. Yeah. 
sporting a pixie cut or buzzed hair in the 90s and performing barefoot, saying it just feels comfortable and honest to pull your toes along the ground. I, okay, I don't know if you talk about her wedding. Dolores O'Riordan's wedding made me so happy because when the reports came out about her getting married, she actually cleaned out an old ox cart and she didn't walk down the aisle. She was actually dragged down the aisle in the ox cart. Which I just thought was like awesome. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. She was just so, she just, she was always so pretty and she always had like the perfect hair. And she was one of the reasons why I originally tried to get a pixie cut in the 90s. And I think she was the reason for a lot of women's ill advised pixie cuts. I did. Are you saying because that my you, pixie cut was ill advised? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you probably pulled it off okay, but you have to have the right face, I feel like. Like I couldn't do a pixie cut. I love you, but no, you couldn't. No. So the New York Times actually mentioned that Reardon was also responsible for a large portion of Doc Martin sales in the <laughs> 90s. And so was literally every other band. A lot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I don't know if you could specifically point to the Cranberries and Dolores and go, that's, that's, that's it. That's where it started. I mean, yeah. Doc Martens were just big in the 90s. Like, it was a big thing. Whether she was directly responsible, I don't know. But sure, why not? <laughs> O'Riordan was a mezzo-soprano, familiar to the 90s alt-rock belt, but always devoted to her love of falsetto. Her voice was rather light without applying an uncomfortable weight, and she characteristically deployed a soft projection when she sang the lowest notes. During Linger's recording, Noel Hogan remembered how special O'Riordan's voice was. On South China Morning Post, he said, we're all looking at each other in the room going, where did that come out from? Because she's so small and tiny, you don't expect it. And then she only grew from that point on. As the years went down, she just got better and better. Her signature singing style blended a wide range of elements such as the lilting voice, the Celtic folklore whose mournful keening, the glottal ornamentation, and the distinctive attacks on syllables. Michael Wood of Los Angeles Times commented, she had a high airy tone that could turn ferocious without warning. She emphasized its breaks and curls, decorating the catchy melodies she wrote with florid vocal runs inherited from Celtic tradition. She was also renowned for her yodeling techniques, where she rapidly switched from her chest register into her falsetto within a few seconds at high volumes and embracing on purpose that break in her voice. And you can hear this most distinctly on Zombie, you know, when she's doing the zombie, zombie, zombie. That lilt like, is amazing. It's not a lilt. It's a yodel. But didn't I, we talk? Wait, we talked about we this talked in another episode. Yeah. It, it, in our songs about darker meanings. Songs, songs with yeah, songs with darker meanings. Yeah. Because that one was about the IRA, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so I talked about that already where that what most people characterize as a lilt was actually her yodeling. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And she like embraced that break in her voice and it just made it something unique and special. Yeah. Aridan described in 1993 that she chose to be a singer and write songs for the creative aspect, something new saying that she would not have been happy singing traditional Irish music for a living. I can get that. All writing or recording sessions for guitar, bass, and drums on the albums were done in the studio during the day by Noel Hogan, Mike Hogan, and Fergal Lawler, while Dolores would come in the evening and record her vocals alone during the night with the producer and friend Stephen Street. 
Fergal Lawler, in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, shared that O'Riordan was worried about, quote, over-singing and smothering the raw emotion in her delivery. And to keep it intact, she would only sing during vocal recording sessions, like specific. O'Riordan was easily bored and unable to rest, constantly thinking about her songs and works in progress. Noel Hogan said she sent him regularly as many as 15 very short emails at like 2 a.m. <laughs> she had some insomnia. <laughs> as an approach to writing songs, O'Riordan liked to write in solitude. She would put down her ideas on paper and more often on her mobile phone over the years. She used the keyboard and guitar alternately to write songs. She also liked the challenge of working with Hogan. Sometimes she would tell him to touch up the chords or manipulate what he had already done and modify it just a little. O'Riordan wrote her ideas continuously all day long, although most of the melodies came in her mind in the middle of the night since she struggled with insomnia, as I mentioned, <laughs> and mood swings associated with bipolar disorder in the later years of her life. She experienced the inevitable writer's block issues for months at certain periods at, in her life as well. Like, this is just something that happens. Like, you will hit a point where you're like, I got nothing. <laughs> Arirna wrote songs about themes that have evolved over the course of her career. Her experience taught her to never feel inhibited and always make an effort to try other things artistically. Speaking of song themes in an interview with Songwriting Magazine, Arirna stated, I draw from a lot of different life experiences. Births, deaths, war, pain, depression, anger, sadness. I found it very easy to write lyrics when I was younger because I had no inhibitions. They just came pouring out. It's important not to think too much about what people will think because then you'll never write. On July 18th, 1994, O'Riordan married Don Burton, the former tour manager of Duran Duran at Holy Cross Abbey in County Tipperary. The couple would go on to have three children, Taylor, Molly, and Dakota, and O'Riordan also had a stepson named Donnie Jr. from Burton's previous relationship. In September 1994, the Cranberries released Zombie, the lead single of their second album, No Need to Argue. The song landed at number one of Triple J's Hottest 100, which was the first time a female-led band had topped the pole. Which, go girl. O'Riordan wrote the song I'm Still Remembering six months after the death of Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain in 1994. She stated the grunge decade was so creative... It was a really great time, mentioning Pearl Jam, Blind Melon, and Nirvana as influences of hers. In September 1995, O'Riordan performed Ave Maria along with Luciano Pavarotti. Princess Diana, who attended the live performance, told O'Riordan that the song brought her to tears. In 1998, O'Riordan and her husband bought a 150-acre stud farm called Riversfield Stud, located in Kilmalock, County Limerick. Before selling it in 2004... For $5 million. <laughs> they lived in their first home while they planned their ultra-modern house near Dunquin County, Cary, on the Dingle Peninsula. And I love Dingle. <laughs> but they spent very little time there and sold the villa later on. They then moved to Howth County, Dublin, and spent summers in a log cabin in Buckhorn, Ontario, in Canada. O'Riordan and Fergal Lawler presented the award for Best Song at the MTV Europe Music Awards in Milan, Italy on November 12, 1998. Fun. She performed live with her band at the Nobel Peace Prize concert at Oslo Spectrum in Oslo, Norway on December 11th of 1998, which that's kind of cool. I want to play at the Nobel Peace Prize concert. Raised Catholic, O'Riordan was an admirer of Pope John Paul II. Dude, who wasn't? He was like the rock star pope. I know that you're way younger than I am, but, like, that dude was awesome. 
Okay. <laughs> like he he was a bomb pope. I don't say that often, but like that dude was like the rock and roll pope. Come on. That- he had like the pope mobile. Like someone tried to assassinate him and like something happened and the gun jammed. But he was just a cool dude. Was that the is it the Pope that the HBO shows about? I don't know. I haven't watched. No, the, the two, pope, the, the no, new Pope, the two Popes, because right now in history, like, I don't know if this has ever happened in history throughout like the Roman Catholic Church. But right now, we technically have two Popes. What? Yeah, because Benedict stepped down, but you are Pope for life. So he still lives in Vatican City, but we have the new Pope. So he's not, he hasn't stopped being the Pope in name, he'll be the Pope until he dies, but yeah, we have two Popes right now. And I think that's what the show's about. That's not the show I was talking about either, so there you go. <laughs> Dude, do you know how many Pope shows there are right now? There's a lot. There's a bunch of shows. There There's like the Young Pope, which is... oh, that, Well, that's the one I was talking about. The Young the, Pope and the New Pope are technically like the Young Pope is the first season and the New Pope is the new season, is the second season. I agree. But yeah. they changed the name. Who is it? Is it Jude Law? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was that, asking about was if that was the I know why you're asking about that is because they play that promo in the Fremantle building. Because we produce that show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, you get to see that every day. But, like, there's the two popes, the young pope, the old pope, the rock and roll pope. Like, there's so many pope shows right now. Stop making pope shows. We only need, like, two. People apparently think popes are cool. I just want to see what's in, like, the Vatican vaults. That's all I care about with when it comes to, like, the Holy Roman Empire. I just want to know what's in the vaults. Okay. Just. Well, I'm going to get back to the story because we've gone wildly apparently, off topic. apparently you hit a really soft spot in my life that I didn't know I had. I didn't know you had it either. My goodness. <laughs> Crying out loud, man. <laughs> Anyways, so she was a big, big fan of the Pope. Who was it? <laughs> I don't know. I I guess me. <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about the Pope. She met him twice in 2001 and 2002 because she was invited for, on December 15th, 2001 to perform solo in the Vatican as part of the annual Vatican Christmas concert. Super exciting. She sang Analyze, Panis Angelicus. Little Drummer Boy, and Silent Night with a 67-piece orchestra accompanying all artists. The show was broadcast to well over 200 million people around the world. Crazy. In 2002, she received a second invitation to perform at the Vatican Christmas concert, also called Concerto di Natale in Vaticano. And I know it took me a really long time to say that, but that's the only take I'm making. Ariordan sang Linger... Happy Christmas War is Over and Adeste Fidelis on December 13th, 2002. Dolores was supported by the Millennium Symphony Orchestra on the three songs directed by Renato Sirio and also by the Summertime Gospel Choir on Adeste Fidelis. In 2003, the Cranberries sadly decided to take a temporary timeout to experiment with solo projects. Womp. I mean, it happens with a lot yeah. of bands. Well, yeah. Like, they do their own thing. They take side projects. They, you know, join super groups and stuff like that. It's, it, happens. it happens. Sometimes you just need a break. And you 
need to go do something different. Spread yeah. your, you know, spread your wings and get some different influences and different inspirations. Life know. experiences yeah. and like meet new people and you can feed off their energy and create new things. That's how you keep the music fresh, man. Exactly. And, and absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. So with that, in 2004, she appeared with the Italian artist Zucchero on the album Zuinco. <laughs> With the song Pure Love. The album also featured other artists such as Sting, Sheryl Crow, Luciano Pavarotti, Miles Davis, John Lee Hooker, Macy Gray, and Eric Clapton. That'd be a fun that'd album. Be, that's, a, that's a lot of talent. Right? On March 6, 2004, she performed Ave Maria during the 54th International Song Festival at the Ariston Theater in San Romeo in northern Italy. The same year, she worked with composer Angelo Badalamenti of Twin Peaks fame on the Ivelinco soundtrack, providing vocals on several tracks, including Angels Go to Heaven, the movie's theme song. December 3rd, 2005, O'Riordan made her third appearance at the Vatican Christmas concert, where she performed War Is Over, Linger, and Adeste Fideles in duet with Gianluca Terranova. I will say, like, since we're in the 2000s now, you did glaze over literally my favorite song. Which one? By her, which was When You're Gone. Don't know it. I was going through, like, my moody teenage years when that song came out. I think it came out in, like, 96. So, of course, like, everything was super dramatic and super important. And so anytime something bad happened in my life, I went straight for the cranberries. Nice. And, uh... You know, that that song is like my go to sad song other than Donna Lewis's Silent World. Those are like my two go to sad songs. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When the cranberries were really big in the early 90s, I was still pretty young. So they they didn't they weren't my angst yet. So I knew them. (laughs) I knew them once I got a little older. I knew like the most popular songs. Yeah, I, I think I was the perfect age demographic for angsty songs when yeah. when like grunge had come out and that was like yes this is my soul this music yeah. is my soul and like when i got older like my sister was listening to all that stuff and i liked it and i grabbed on to i kept a lot of that like now that i'm older i still really enjoyed it and like throughout my high school and college years and everything that's you should listen to that song it's really because it's also when i was sitting there listening to anything and everything and all different kinds of stuff In December 2006, she would again be invited to the Vatican Christmas concert, which took place in Monte Carlo as the Vatican Christmas concert was canceled by Pope Benedict the 16th. She sang Angel Fire from her solo album, Are You Listening?, with an orchestra and Steve DeMarchi, Away in a Manger, and Happy Christmas War is Over. In 2005, she appeared on the Jam and Spoons album, Tripomatic Fairy Tales 3003 as a guest vocalist on the track Mirror Lover. She made a cameo appearance in the Adam Sandler comedy Click, released in 2006, June 23rd, 2006, as a wedding singer performing an alternate version of the Cranberries' Linger set to strings. Arirda made an appearance live on The Late Late Show on April 20th, 2007 to promote her upcoming solo album with its first single, Her solo project, Are You Listening?, was released in May 2007, and Ordinary Day was the first single released in late April. It was produced by Brit Awards winner Youth, whose previous credits included The Verb, Embrace, Primal Scream, U2, and Paul McCartney. 
The video for Ordinary Day was shot in Prague. I want to go to Prague. In August, When We Were Young was released as a second single from the album. On November 19th, 2007, she canceled the remainder of her European tour due to illness. So she was on tour in Europe, but she canceled it due to illness. In December, she performed in a few small American clubs, including Des Moines, Nashville, and a well-received free show in Charlottesville, Virginia. In 2008, O'Riordan won an EBBA award. Every year, the European Border Breakers Awards recognizes the success of 10 emerging artists or groups who reached audiences outside their own countries with their first internationally released album in the past year. So, yay. So she was nominated because of Are You Listening? In January 2009, the University Philosophical Society, Trinity College in Dublin, so cool, invited the Cranberries to reunite for a concert celebrating O'Riordan's appointment as an honorary member of the society, which led the band members to consider reuniting for a tour and a recording session. That's awesome. Yes. Her second solo album, No Baggage, featuring 11 tracks, was released in August 2009, the first single of which, The Journey, was released July 13th, followed by a second single, Switch Off the Moment. The music video for The Journey was filmed on 16mm film on May 8th, 2009 at Houth Beach Pier and at Houth Summit, Dublin, Ireland. The music video first aired July 29th. On August 25th, 2009, while promoting her solo album, No Baggage, in New York City, O'Riordan announced the reunion of the Cranberries for a world tour. The tour began in North America in mid-November, followed by South America... USA! 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 Followed by South America in mid-January and Europe in March 2010. Also touring with the original members of the Cranberries was Denny DeMarchi, who played the keyboard for O'Riordan's solo albums. The band played songs from her solo albums, many of the Cranberries classics, as well as new songs. Yay! New Cranberries. During 2009, O'Riordan and her family moved full-time to Buckhorn, Canada, which I mentioned previously they would just... They were spending summers in a cabin there. Now they live there. I've been to Canada. It was beautiful. Alan Thick's from there, too. He's dead. I know. Why are you, like, making my Sunday sad? Let me finish this so I go home to happier things. Like the dog that tears up all your furniture? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, the other one that's, <laughs> that's sweet and snuggly. <laughs> I'm going to come back to this because I mentioned earlier on some influences and then around the grunge days, I mentioned she was influenced by that, too. Like she was a big fan. But in 2009, she was asked about her three favorite albums. And she mentioned The Smiths, self-titled album. Depeche Mode, Violator. Good album. The original soundtrack of the film The Mission. And bands she had listened to at the time, The Killers, Snow Patrol, and The Script. Which, Yes. Her influences also extended to hard rock when she reported listening to ACDC in a, on a loop during her teenage years. Which, yes. yes. Arirda met ACDC singer Brian Johnson in 2003 when the Cranberries were playing concerts with ACDC and the Rolling Stones. And that's a lineup. That'd be a cool show. I would pay money to see that. Yeah. Arirda and Johnson were considering the idea of working together and became friends. I don't know that they ever did. I didn't see anything to that effect. She quotes Morrissey, Led Zeppelin, also Metallica, and James Hetfield, whom she met in 1995. 
so here's the thing. I keep bringing up her influences, and I think this is the last time I do it, but I just love how diverse they are. I love how they kind of evolve with her throughout her life and her career. She drew those influences from everyday life and events that happen in the world or her friends or romantic relationships. Like it's something that's important as an artist that to, you keep things fresh. You keep exposing yourself to different things that are coming around and like enjoying it. Like, yeah, we all have our stuff that we used to like as kids, but then we're growing up and at different stages in our lives. But it's just really cool to see how it evolved. So I wanted to keep throwing it in there a little bit. No, it is interesting because she's pulled from, you know, the Rolling Stones to Snow Patrol. Right. I mean, Snow Patrol is super current. Yeah. So here's another cool one. Another couple of cool highlights in her career that are fun. Just little concerty things that she did. Uh, June 9th, 2010, Cranberries performed at the Special Olympics opening ceremony at Thoman Park in Limerick. So cool. But also... It was the first time the band had performed in their native city in over 15 years. It's awesome. So double cool. Yeah. On July 1st, 2011, a concert entitled To Warzawa, a.k.a. Here Warsaw, formed the main event of the inauguration of Poland's presidency of the EU Council. And Dolores Reardon performed Zombie and I Lied with the Sinfonia Varsovia orchestra in warsaw poland i've been to warsaw it's actually mm-hmm. like <laughs> i've only been to like three countries four countries no four italy canada germany poland yeah so i've been it's like one of the four countries i've been to and it is delightful i loved it i mean i don't love what we went and saw because we ended up going to Auschwitz, but right uh it was a beautiful country the people were so nice i absolutely adore poland i would definitely go back also in 2011, they recorded their sixth album, Roses, released in February 2012. O'Riordan suffered from vocal cord nodules in the 2010-2012 era, like that year, two-year segment, uh, which is why they were canceling a lot of their concert dates or that, postponing those can, them. Those can end careers. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not cool. That's why when uh, Julie Andrews came back and sang in Princess Diaries 2, it was like a huge deal. It was because she, she had vocal nodes. Mm-hmm. And for her to sing was like this huge thing because no one thought she'd ever be able to do it again. So, Well, yeah. and depending on how bad they were and like the surgery and the recovery, and, like you have to do vocal exercise and all these crazy things to get yourself back to what you where you were. It's hard. <laughs> O'Riordan and her band... Performed two songs at the 62nd San Remo Song Festival, San Remo Song Festival, at the Ariston Theater on February 18th, 2012, in San Remo, Italy, having been invited on more than one occasion to the festival. And in August 2013, she returned to live in Ireland in Abington, North Dublin, after nine years in Canada with her husband and their three children. O'Riordan and her husband Burton ended their relationship in late 2014. After 20 years together and later divorced. Her final performance at the Vatican's Christmas concert came in December 2013. And she performed four songs. Letting Go from Are You Listening? Silent Night in duet with Elisa Toffoli. Away in a Manger and Happy Christmas War is Over. She really likes singing that song at the Vatican. Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) It's not a traditional like Christmassy Christmas song I feel like. But sure. Okay. I'm moving on. (laughs) At this time, she spoke openly 
about her childhood experience with sexual abuse, crediting it for developed depression and self-loathing, which had been worsened by her accelerating career and had led to anorexia throughout her life. Subsequently, she described her family, especially her children, as her salvation. In 2011, her father, Terrence O'Riordan, died after seven years of fighting cancer. At his funeral in County Limerick, Ireland, the man who abused her introduced himself to her, saying that he came and cried and said sorry. I guess it's not really a fun fact. It's kind of a unfortunate fact. O'Riordan was treated by psychotherapist Beachy Colclaw, who also treated Michael Jackson, Elton John, and Robbie Williams. Sad. O'Riordan began recording new material with Jetlag, a collaboration between Andy Rourke of the Smiths and Ole and Ole Koretsky in April 2014. They then formed a trio under the name D.A.R.K. Their first album, Science Agrees, was released in September 2016. At the end of 2014, Dolores O'Riordan moved to Manhattan, New York, where she bought an apartment in East Village. She developed, a re- she developed a relationship with Russian musician and one of the three in her new side project, Ole Koretsky, with whom she shared the last years of her life. In 2017, she bought a new house near her Irish hometown of Limerick. Her family described Dolores as strong-minded and determined. Remember from earlier when she like looked at her class and was like, I'm going to be a rock star, dead in the eyes. Yeah. However, her physical and mental health deteriorated in her last few years. In November 2014, O'Riordan was arrested and charged in connection with air rage on Aer Lingus flight from New York to Shannon. During the flight, she grew verbally and physically abusive to the crew. When police were arresting her, she resisted, reminding them that her taxes paid their wages and shouting, I'm the queen of Limerick. I'm an icon, headbutting one Garda officer and spitting at another. Later, she told the media that she had been stressed from living in New York hotels following the end of her 20-year marriage. The judge hearing her case agreed to dismiss all charges if she apologized in writing to her victims and contributed 6,000 pounds to the court poor box. On May 26, 2016, the band announced they planned to start a tour in Europe. The first show was held on June 3rd. The Cranberries made three consecutive dates in Cancun, Mexico in February 2017. And in late April 2017, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the band, they released a new studio album, Something Else, featuring an acoustic version of their greatest hits and backed by the Irish Chamber Orchestra. Three new songs appear on this album, The Glory, Rupture, and Why. In May 2017, the band started the world tour as acoustic concerts with a string quartet. Most of the time, Dolores sang seated on a stool, facing pains in the upper part of her spine and diaphragm pain while singing. What happened? Just no clue. It just was something that was going on with her. After 11 shows, O'Riordan said... O'Riordan said to be an excruciating pain. The Cranberries published on social media the cancellation of the sold-out tour in Europe and North America. Around this time, she also began speaking openly about her bipolar disorder, which had been diagnosed two years prior. During her rest, Dolores worked on new demos for plans to release a new Cranberries studio album. In late 2017, O'Riordan said she was recovering and performed at a private event. Her final public performance was on December 14th, 2017 in New York at a holiday party for Billboard Hollywood Reporter Media Group. 
With 90s cover band act Saved by the 90s, she sang Ode to My Family, Linger, and Zombie. On December 15th, 2017, Eminem released his album Revival, which included a large sample from the song Zombie as the hook for his rap song In Your Head. O'Riordan remained in the Cranberries until her death. Before I get to that, I want to give a little shout out, an extra little shout out to this lady. So in mid-1995, Dolores O'Riordan was one of the richest women in the UK at the age of 24. Wow. Yeah. In 2006, she was one of the 10 richest women in Ireland. And in 2008, she was sixth on the list of the 10 richest artists in Ireland with a $66 million fortune. I'd do okay with that. I could, I could live with that. I could, yeah. I could, I could be comfortable with that. I mean, that. I'd be scraping by, but I mean. Dude. <sighs> but see, but this is what's cool because I probably do the same thing. Even though she no longer had a financial obligation to work, O'Riordan is quoted as someone with an insatiable appetite for music who knew what she wanted in a song and how to deliver a text. In, in her home, there's a white grand piano in front of a picture window overlooking the Big Bald Lake in Ontario. That was in their Canada home. But it was an important, it's apparently just always been an important part of her house. It's like this huge piano that she just goes to work with all the time. So I totally, I can relate to that. Like even if I was set, I would still want to be making music. I want to be making music now. But yeah. I mean, if I was set like that, we were talking about, because we got really into this show Glow. And at one point, one of the characters is talking about having $40 million. And we were trying to figure out, like, what we would buy with $40 million. I was like, oh, I, we'd buy a house and a really nice laundry room. Like, I have a, a really nice laundry room. And then I would just fund films. I'd just be a producer. There you go. That's because that's what I want to do. I want to I want to be in every facet of media. And I'd, I'd, I'd put my money behind some, you know new movies not like reboots or anything but yeah. like the new stuff enough reboots i would Anyways. take t- i would take chances on people i'm not gonna take the bait and go to the reboot route because i know you're edged on that and we're not doing it <laughs> because we're so close i know i'm not saying anything else we're so close all right but it's cool that she continued to work even though she didn't have to and it just shows what? you how much passion she had well i feel like there are a lot of artists that do that i'm not saying she's the only one i mean look at how many artists are out there they don't oh, yeah. have to be working they just enjoy it. Yeah. It's their life's work. That's what they do. Taylor Swift could quit tomorrow and she'd be fine for the rest of her life. And then like 20 next generations of her life. Yeah. <laughs> but she still works. She's still yeah. going at it. Yeah. And now the sadness. In January 2018, O'Riordan traveled from New York where she lived to London to work with Martin Youth Glover on her side project, D-A-R-K. And to meet representatives of the BMG record label about a new album for the Cranberries. At 2 a.m. on January 15th, 2018, O'Riordan had a phone call with her mother, then was found unresponsive later that morning at the London Hilton on Park Lane Hotel in Mayfair and was pronounced dead at 9.16 a.m. The cause of death was not immediately made public until an inquest at Westminster Coroner's Court held on September 6th which ruled that she had died as a result of an accidental drowning in a bathtub following sedation by alcohol intoxication. Empty bottles were found in O'Riordan's room, five miniature bottles and a champagne bottle, as well as some prescription drugs. 
but toxicology tests showed that her body contained only therapeutic amounts of these medications, but a blood alcohol content of 0.33%. Not being a drinker, is that, I know 0.08 is drunk, right? Yeah. Like, well, the legal limit is 0.08. What, how, how drunk was she? Like, I mean, that's pretty drunk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we just had our resident alcohol expert, Mr. William Hickey, uh, <laughs> come in and just explain to me how much alcohol was actually in her system. So it's like a third of her blood is alcohol at that point. Yeah, but, but basically she, but she drowned. She didn't die of alcohol poisoning. She drowned, right? She could have, though. Like, yes, yeah, she drowned. But she would have been completely passed out from the alcohol. Okay. And the alcohol itself could have been lethal at that point. Because mm. if you figure, okay, they found five miniature bottles. So that's like five shots. Mm-hmm. And a bottle of champagne. Plus a bottle of champagne. Okay. So she probably drank that entire bottle of champagne herself. Was it an empty bottle of champagne? Yes. Okay. They were all empty. Because you know I hate speculating about this stuff. Empty bottles. Okay. Um, so five miniature bottles and a champagne bottle, all empty. And then she mixed that with and then some drugs, some but not but like prescription ther- drugs. But enough to Yeah, the, the, ter- the therapeutic level. It wasn't like she Yeah. It wasn't like she was out to do this to herself. Yeah, she didn't O D on yeah. the on the pills. She on wasn't trying drugs. She wasn't trying to do this to herself. Right. Got it. That's so sad. Just unfortunate, but that was the official count was point three three percent blood alcohol content two days after her death the tabloid newspaper santa monica observer spread a fake story rumoring that she had died of a fentanyl overdose later they revised what they initially said stating her cause of death had not yet officially been announced and we're seeing that today like literally today as we record this we're seeing fake stuff come out like the the fact that like rick fox was there and like all of his kids were in the helicopter and we're seeing and that's why I was like, okay, this is still a developing story. And I hate it when people do that because then you're like, what if somebody who doesn't know sees this and that's how they find out that one of their loved ones passed away? Like that potentially passed away or they think that somebody passed away that didn't. Yeah. And that's that sucks. Like this is a hard enough thing already. You don't need to add fuel and speculation. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. On January 21st, 2018, Dolores O'Riordan's funeral opened three days of mourning in Ireland. Funeral plans included a service reserved for extended family and close friends. A three-day funeral in her hometown with O'Riordan lying in repose lasted from January 20th through the 22nd at St. Joseph's Church. In a tribute normally reserved for presidents, heads of states, and popes, thousands streamed past the open coffin of Dolores O'Riordan, in a four-hour public reposing. Dolores O'Riordan, wearing dark eyeshadow with raven hair, was laid out in an open coffin wearing black and holding a set of pearl rosary beads. O'Riordan's songs were played while photographs of the singer performing and one of her with Pope John Paul II were placed along the walls. Friends left a floral tribute next to the coffin of Dolores O'Riordan, which read, The song has ended, but the memories linger on. She was buried on January 23rd after a service at St. Albie's Roman Catholic Church, Valley Bricken, County Limerick. 
It began with the studio recording of Ave Maria as sung by O'Riordan and Pavarotti. At the end of the service, the Cranberry song, When You're Gone, was played. Among the attendees at her funeral were her mother, Eileen, her three children, and their father, O'Riordan's former husband, Dom Burton, her sister and brothers, all Cranberry members, former rugby union player Ronan O'Gara, Bono's wife, Allie Hewson, and O'Riordan's boyfriend, Ole Koretsky. O'Riordan was buried alongside her father. The president of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, was one of the first to pay his respects. The Taoiseach, which is like the prime minister of Ireland, Leo Varadkar, also paid his respects to O'Riordan, along with the Polish president, Andrzej Duda. Also as a tribute, the Abbott brothers covered the Cranberry song Linger. Bono and Johnny Depp performed a tribute for Dolores O'Riordan, ending the performance on Linger at the National Concert Hall in Dublin, Ireland, just hours after her sudden passing. Bono, Sinead O'Connor, Johnny Depp, and Nick Cave gave to Dolores O'Riordan a standing ovation at a birthday bash for Shane McGowan, singer of The Pogues. On the announcement of her death on January 15, 2018, Dolores O'Riordan appeared on the huge 360-degree screen overhanging the Madison Square Garden floor in New York during a New York Rangers game. A photo of this appearance was published on January 17, 2018 on Facebook by Madison Square Garden. Dolores O'Riordan's boyfriend, Ole Koretsky, made a statement. Also, Andy Rourke, bassist of The Smiths, producer Stephen Street, U2, Duran Duran, Liz Fair, James Corden, Hozier, Foster the People, Pearl Jam, Elijah Wood, Brian Adams, Halsey, Codaline, The The, Michael Stipe of R.E.M., Dave Davies of The Kinks, Garbage, Adele, Canadian producer Dan Broadbrick, Slash, Graham Hopkins, drummer of Therapy and Spotify, and many other artists expressed their sadness. That was a really long list of people. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just to name a few. <laughs> On the night of her death, January 15th, 2018, O'Riordan left a voice message for her friend, managing director of E7LG Europe, Dan Waite, where she offered to sing on a cover of Zombie that Waite had previously given O'Riordan to listen to and to a credit. TMZ, TMZ published this voice message on April 5th, 2018. On January 18th, the heavy metal band Bad Wolves released their cover of Zombie, which charted on multiple Billboard charts. On January 28th, a children's choir from New York City sang the Cranberry song Dreams in O'Riordan's memory. On March 29th, 2018, Mayor Stephen Keery presented the book of condolences with over 16,000 signatures to Dolores' mother Eileen, brothers Donald, Terry, and Joe, and other family members. The In Memoriam segment of the 2018 Grammy Awards included tributes to a number of music icons as well as Dolores. Dreams was played in the Croke Park to the capacity of 82,000 crowd on August 19th after Limerick won the Leah McCarthy Cup in the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship for the first time in 45 years. The cup was later toured around Limerick and was brought by the team to O'Riordan's family home in Ballybricken. Saint Sister, a duo from Northern Ireland, performed an a cappella rendition of the song Dreams at Lyra McKee's funeral in Belfast, who was murdered by the New 
IRA in April 2019. During her career with the Cranberries, she won an MTV Europe Music Award in 1995, a Juno Award in 1996, a Brit Award nomination for International Group in 1995, and a Juno nomination in 1997. And on May 19th, 1997, she received the Ivor Novello Award for International Achievement at London's Grosvenor House. And these are outside of the ones I've already mentioned throughout the episode, too, like... There were some other ones I mentioned already, too. On October 11th, 2018, O'Riordan was named the top female artist of all time in Billboard's Alternative Songs chart. On the 30th anniversary of the music chart, O'Riordan was named at the top of the 30-name list. On January 18th, 2019, O'Riordan was awarded an honorary doctorate by the University of Limerick. The posthumous honorary doctorate of letters was presented to Dolores' mother, Eileen, Noel Hogan, Mike Hogan, and Fergal Lawler were also honored at the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Dolores O'Riordan was nominated for posthumous 2020 Grammy Awards. The ceremony is scheduled for January 26th, so by the time you hear this, they're already happened. That's it. They're literally... They're literally I, about to happen They right are now. walking down the red carpet now, right now. I just saw Ariana Grande's dress. It is happening right now. There you go. <laughs> it is huge. Side note. Yeah. After her death, bandmate Noel Hogan confirmed that the Cranberries band name would be retired after the release of their 2019 album. He stated, we don't want to continue without Dolores, so we're just going to leave after this. There were other bands that did that as well, where like they lost someone that was so integral to their, like their, their identity as a band that they just stopped after that person's passing the bc boys was one of them uh tlc kind of did it so i mean i just think there's something very touching about them not wishing to be identified as the cranberries after this point well and it's really hard like some bands decide to retire the name other bands don't and i think that's a personal choice but i also think in particular with the cranberries she had such a unique sound that you really can't continue without her. Yeah. Because she is the lead singer. It's not like, oh, she's sometimes the lead singer and sometimes it's this other person. And and she did so much of the writing with Noel. And, you know, I just think it's really hard when you are in that kind of a situation where that presence, that sound is so unique that you really can't make the band around anybody else. And I think kind of listening to her story and how much Ireland loved her. I know this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but maybe it's just because I saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but she's kind of like someone we would look at like Mr. Rogers, like somebody who has been there since, you know, we were kids that has been doing these great things for your country and is uh, an identifier as someone who is very active in the church and someone who really touches a lot of lives. Right. So, you know, that was that was excellent. Thank you. I knew a lot about their music, but less about her life except for the wedding, the wedding story. Yeah, I mean, I know it was a lot of listy list of just different things that she did in her career. I just thought they were interesting. Like, I think that sometimes when you have somebody that, again, is so integral as a part of a band, but then they go off and they do their own thing, too, you maybe don't you don't know as much about it or aren't as 
exposed to it in the same way mm-hmm. or to that artist in the same way anymore. And it's a lot harder to like follow what's going on with them. But I did think she had a cool career and you know, she definitely had a tough time, like not an easy childhood by any measure. So I think that she came out of that and just focused on, on all her music. And, you know, even the later parts of her life were hard too. You know, she's struggling with vocal nodes and, you know, pain problems and bipolar. And that's just a lot. Yeah. And I think that she just, I really enjoyed what she put out into the world and her art, her artistry. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. And, you know, well, I thought it was a great episode. So thank you. And, and now uh, I have more to add to my list of songs to go listen to from stuff I didn't know were out there. Yep. Yeah. 96 was a great year for music. So good. Oh, yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. And uh, if you guys think that we're doing an amazing job, you can check us out on Patreon. We are restarting our Patreon, where if you donate at the $10 level, you will get to pick a topic and the person that you want to do the episode of. Uh, sorry, which which one of us you would like to do the episode. So that's up for grabs. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash rockandrollheaven. Find us on Twitter at rockandrollLT. On Facebook, we're at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Instagram's Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Still not saying our website. And you can email us at Rock and Roll Heaven LT at gmail.com. All of that info, if I went too fast, will be in the show notes. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking this episode out. Make sure to check out our next episode, which will be uh, next month. And that will be our opening act. And I guess I can go ahead and say it. We're going to be doing it on the nominees for this year's best song for the oscar nominations so check that out and then we have a special series coming up right after that so thank you guys so much we will see you soon uh hey tj yeah do you need to go sew your couch together because of hank um actually yes okay and go to the grocery store to make bobby's food and do a bunch of other things and blah 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 blah. i'm unemployed again so i got some time want to come sew a couch back together not at all well then there you go all right, bye guys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 